Hey y'all, welcome back to Colored Couch Conversations, a podcast where I have intimate conversations with women of color on my couch. Today we will discuss sketch, sweet potatoes, and sex with my special guest. Y'all like those S's? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm your host, Jasmine W., and my guest this week was raised in Dallas, Texas, like a couple of my guests, because y'all know I'm from Dallas. Um, She's an established actress, writer, dancer, and Bert, I don't know how to say that word. She, she's a, she told me how to say this word beforehand. Let's say new. She's a new podcaster, emerging podcaster. You've probably seen her in countless national commer- commercials, and I do mean countless, and on TV and film, on TV shows like Scandal, Superstore, and most recently in the film, Dolomite Is My Name. Such a great film, I love that film. She's always seeking challenging projects that showcase her agility, physicality, and creativity as a writer and actress. Give it up for Sadia Rashid. Oh, I love the intro. Yes. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Thank you. And one fun fact about Sadia, she's my cousin. (laughs) We related. (laughs) So, yes. I mean, and I think I've told Sadia this before, but maybe not, but, you know, watching her move to LA and be an actress and everything she totally inspired me she may not even know that but she inspired me to you know do the things that I'm doing I would reach out to her and ask for advice and you know sometimes when you ask people for advice even if they're your cousin you know we didn't necessarily like grow up in proximity um they you know they're short with you or whatever but you always 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 were so sweet and like willing to chat and just with with anything and even now it goes into motherhood because you know I'll be asking you about your business (laughs) so I just love you so much I appreciate it oh thank you oh that makes me feel so good yeah no I like I remember when you were um years ago when you would like send me Facebook messages about you know you wanting to do stand-up and you know, doing more on camera work. And um, I was like, yeah, you know, I I just try to, especially when I feel like it's people have a genuine connection to the field, like I really want to guide them in the right direction because it's so easy to go left and also to get taken advantage of and to not know where to go. And so anytime someone asks me like, where do I get started? Like, I I just want to make sure I point them in the right direction as much as possible. Yes. Thank you. And that, you know, that rubs off on me too, because when you do that for somebody, when somebody does that for you, you want to do it for other people, you know? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you also have a podcast because it's called that one blank friend podcast. Why did you start that? And tell me what it's about. Okay. (laughs) So uh, that one blank friend is basically about Um, the first season, which I just completed, um, starts with my friends and hopefully it'll branch out to more friends and friends of friends. And I get to make more connections, but essentially the idea behind it is that getting more insight on the unique experiences that uh, many of my friends have had and how they made them the person they are today, whether it's a unique career path, whether it's Um, a diagnosis or a condition that they've had to deal with that has shaped how they've had to move in the world. Um, So it's really from that perspective. And it started, interestingly enough, in November 2018. I had a a, a good friend of mine and um, she came over to visit and she was telling me and my husband that she had voted for Trump. Mm. And... (laughs) Mm. I love the look on your face, Jasmine. You're like, mm, okay, <laughs> let me see where this is going. Um, she's a she's a white woman, you know, middle, I wouldn't say middle age, but like, you know, in her 40s, she is very bohemian, like very feminist, very, um, I feel like, just open. And when we both heard that, we were like, what? Why? Yeah. And just to, you know, to um, put you guys at ease, she totally regretted it. Yeah. And her explanation, interestingly enough, it came out of her relationship with her ex-husband because 
he was a big conspiracy theorist and he um he was very much about Hillary is bad and the Clintons have done all this stuff and you know the Clintons are not you know yeah they're not no one's perfect um but they're definitely compared to Trump more perfect than him um (laughs) and so we were just like really like how how her ex-husband's perspective had such a stronghold on her political views and that even though she had divorced them it really guided how she voted to to the point that um she remarried and her new husband is very liberal and she didn't tell him and she told us and she was like oh my god please don't tell him like if you yeah i voted um so i mean she definitely learned her lesson she said she learned it the night but it was just interesting to me because you know you ignored a lot of the signs like you ignored his misogyny you ignored grabbing by the pussy you ignored a lot of the blatant racism that's become even more blatant um you know over this overall idea that hillary is bad yeah so it was it to me that was it was a light bulb in me that was kind of like i would have never guessed that you had done that but if i don't know that about you what else do i not know about my friends Mm. so it really made me kind of want to know the people around me a little bit more and just how they got into particular situations or how their decisions you know guided their life and how other other experiences around them guided their life so yes that's kind of how it started wow you know what i am a huge conspiracy theorist myself (laughs) really I didn't vote for Trump. Don't don't get the wrong idea here. <laughs> okay, good. But I do think Hillary is terrible. I do think the Clintons are terrible. And I I didn't while I did not vote for Trump, would never vote for Trump and I cannot understand why anyone would vote for Trump. The people who voted for him the first time and have changed their mind, I'm going to let you slide. I'm going to let you slide. Exactly. But if you try if you talk about defending him and voting for him again this time you really trash you are really trash oh absolutely (laughs) absolutely yeah and you know agreed like the the clintons are you know like i said they're not heroes they're you know they did a lot of things especially when bill clinton was office that were not great um in terms of uh their ideals with the prison system i mean that's number one yeah so yeah they weren't they, you know, I think back, it was interesting growing up because like how they were always referred to or, or before Obama came yes. along, how um, he was always referred to as the first black president. And then when yes. you see a lot of the decisions that they made, it was like, well, no. <laughs> no, he wasn't. Yeah, no, he wasn't. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, they're not, they weren't great, but in that, um, in, in that, uh, race you we were just all picking the lesser of the two evils exactly at that point and to me it just shows that you know the people who like you said voted for the first time around and then hopefully they learn their lesson the second time around i feel like right. those people really voted without the idea of that they have the privilege to like make that vote and it not impact them the way that it did people of color right and guess what? It did impact them. And especially as a woman, it surely impacted her. Oh, you know? surely. Interesting. Well, listen, y'all go listen to that one blank friend podcast, subscribe to it, review it, rate it, just like I tell y'all to do mine. <laughs> okay. Well, we always start um, this podcast off with a quote of the day. And you know this podcast because you chose it, Sadia. And it's when black women win victories, it is a boost for virtually every segment of society by Angela Davis. What does this quote mean to you? Well, I think um, in this particular time in the world, I think um that quote really reflects all the political action for me that's going on. Um, And what I mean is that as black women in society, you know, we are often the um, respected the least, you know, our, um, our opinions, just our worth, we tend to be viewed as a little bit more invisible than other, um, cultures and identities and I feel like when we take charge of that and we 
um, lead the charge, then other other aspects of society really improve. Yeah. And I mean, there have just been so many examples recently, like for example, Black Lives Matter, that movement started with Black women. Mm-hmm. You know, Me Too started with, you know, what's her name, Tarana Burke. You know, the, all of those, all of these women started huge movements that have really been um, making us rethink how, re- rethink how we view the world, how we view our society, how we view women in society, mm-hmm. you know, how we, how we view black women in society. So it's really, those particular movements are really forcing us to go inward and take a hard look at ourselves and also take a hard look at the system at large and how we yes. can change that. And that yes. started with black women. And, um, you know, it's interesting because being a mom now, um, I'm really, I, I feel like in being in these mom groups, I'm really privy to like things that even breaking down barriers from, not breaking down barriers, but like breaking down misconceptions that I even put on myself. Like for example, yeah, um, like you know, growing up and seeing in the media and them calling black women the welfare queens and all that sort of stuff. And I'm in mom groups and I tell you, they're 60% white women. Mm-hmm. And 80% of them are single moms mm-hmm. and also using, uh, you know, federal subsidies, you know, they're on w- welfare, they're using EBT, they need unemployment yeah. just as everyone else. And there was this misconception that it's only black people and brown people taking all of those resources. And it was really an eye opener for me to be in these groups and be like, no, there's tons of white people taking advantage of this stuff too. Yes. And you know what? Rightfully so, because they're struggling as well. Right. And if, if as black women, as if we stand up for those type of systems and support single moms and support getting more help and support, um, you know, re support the educational system, then it helps those sector of women as well. Right. Whether they like it or not, right. they're affected. You know, it it raises their um, their identity. It it helps their stature in society. It helps them to survive even more and yeah. raise their children better. So, for me, that's what that quote means. That across the board, you know, black women are representative of the most invisible parts of society. Mm-hmm. because we are most impacted by those. And once we speak up for them, everything else is uplifted. That is so, oh my gosh, that is such a word. It's so true. Sometimes, you know, it, 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 the more we talk about it too, and the more you explain every scenario, at first you have this feeling, or I have this feeling of, yes, that's, that's what we do. When we rise, every, we pick everybody up. Black women are so selfless that when we, when we rise, everybody gets to rise, you know? But then there's also this feeling of like resentment that I feel. Cause it's like us speaking up, why do we always have to be the ones to speak up? Because when we speak up about the things that we deserve as women or as single moms, then it's like, oh, you, you're now the face, you know? Or when we, when we start the Me Too movement that was not even about exactly what it is about right now, you know? It's like we started the Me Too movement about, you know, rights for women of color, you know? Like protection for women of color. And then white women sort of took it over and it became this other thing, which is still good, but it's kind of like, did you guys forget, like, why do we always have to be the ones, you know? But, you know, I don't know. It's it's a catch twenty two too, because we're not going to complain about having to be the ones, but we can, but it helps us. But then everybody else kind of steals our shot. You know, it's just one of those things. Yeah, I it is it's a hard thing to reckon with because definitely there's I think for all black women there's this feeling of like oh gosh we got to do the work again. But hopefully what helps um in the future is that you know white people and also 
included in that um, people of color who are white presenting mm -hmm. understand the privilege of not having to be the leadership on that, but also uphold us and support right. us. Right. And that if we say that this is an issue, that we are believed more and that we right. get the support that we need in the future, because that's really what's going to push all of um, these efforts, these, the activism that's going on right now further into in society. Right. If, if they're like, oh, you know, that it's not just, oh, well, black woman said it. So I don't know if it's true yet because it didn't happen to me. Right. You know, but thinking of us as being representative of the, the invisible society and being like, oh, if it happened to them, it could happen to me. Ex and it yes. should be concerned. Yes, yes. And standing behind us on that. Yeah. Such a, that's such a good quote. Such a good quote. Mm. And um, we are so blessed to still have Angela Davis. So yes. figure out what she's doing. Follow her uh, social medias. You know, she did an interview the other day that I watched and it was just great, you know. So. I know before this quarantine happened, she did, she was having a talk, I think, in downtown LA and I was so bummed because I, the tickets sold out and I couldn't mm. go. I was like, ah, man, I want to go hear her speak. But yeah, I mean, we're, we're certainly grateful to still have her alive and well. We are. Okay, so uh, now is the time for some random questions, Sadia. And I love random questions because it gives you listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit more and they're just fun, right? You founded, wrote, and performed in an all-black sketch group all over the U.S. and Canada. I'll never forget when you came to Dallas and I had to work or something and I couldn't make your show. Um, and it was called SCC, Slow Children Crossing. And what's your favorite sketch show of all time? Okay. Well, to clarify, I wasn't, I was the founding member. Technically, founding my member. husband, Brett, founded it. He was the one who originally put the posting on Craigslist about wanting to do an all-black sketch group. So essentially, I met my husband through Craigslist. Um, <laughs> Craigslist well, <is> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> But okay, my favorite sketch, whew, I would say my favorite sketch is the one me and Brett wrote together. What? Um, and it's called For Sale. And I it actually might be up on YouTube if you, if you search it. What's your YouTube channel? Um, well, we had two. We had Slow Children Crossing, Slow Children mm -hmm. Xing. And then when the group got smaller and it was just three of us, then we did SEC Comedy. Okay. Um, but it might actually be on the old, old one because um, that's where we put a lot of our live um, content on when we did, you know, when we were doing on stage. And the SEC comedy one was when we were exclusively doing YouTube. But yeah, the sketch is called For Sale. And the premise of it is that um, this interracial couple is being, um, they're touring a house, an old house, and it turns out to have slaves that come with it. And so- That are alive? Yeah. And so there's the struggle of, you know, are they going to buy this house because it has slaves in it and interest, the turn of it, I don't know if I should give it away, but okay, I'll give it away. Um, <laughs> but the turn of it is that it's the interracial couple. It's a black woman and a white guy. And um, the turn of it is that the black woman actually wants like she thinks that, oh, this might be a good thing. And the black, the white guy is like, oh no, 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 this is, this is bad. Like he's trying to really hold on to like being good in the end, you know, he gives in. He's like, yeah, sure. I mean, this is great slaves. Like, we, you know, we can get like lemonade on. So, it's you know, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, and at the, hold on, at the end, she stays. It's not a trick. She's not like, aha, I got you. I knew no. you were going to like slaves. No, no, no. They're, they're like, oh, this is cool. This is awesome. Oh. And the, I, I think what I loved about the sketch is when we originally wrote it, when me and Brett were talking about it, we were like, okay, we're gonna, the, the original idea was like, what can we put in this house that would be so offensive and scary? And so at first it was like, oh, what if it's just ghosts? And then I thought about it and I was like, no, what if it's slaves? And he was like, oh, so what if, what, what happened in the sketch? It was actually 
really good because it brought a lot of conversation after the show yeah. because it shocked people so much. Everybody had took something different away from it. Mm. Um, you know, it made people laugh at the same time, but it also made people very uncomfortable and really make them think about uh, just social structures in society. Like, yes. you know, having, you know, even just like going to a restaurant and how you're served, like uh, making you think about if, if you go to a restaurant and your server is black, like, do you treat them better than you would a white server? Mm. Um, you know, as a, as a, as a, a black person, you know, how, how would it feel like to, to, how does, how does it feel being faced with your history like that? Right. Um, when we did it, we always did it last in the show. Yes. And so people always wanted to know, like, what was it supposed to mean? And our answer was like, well, what do you think it means? Right. Because it mean to you, because it was supposed to be shocking. It was yeah. supposed to make you think. So it was more of like, what do you take away from it? The idea for me thinking about it and writing it was like the fact that she married a white, a, a white guy that she somehow attached herself to the proximity of whiteness mm. so it was kind of like oh, okay well this is cool because like it didn't happen to me it's not my family like yeah. I'm you know I'm cool with it it was just something years ago um and so she had sort of detached herself from her blackness and attached herself to a little bit of like being the proximity to whiteness and I think also the, the other interesting thing about the sketch was that as the white guy it was kind of like, how far are you going to go to fight for justice? Yes. yes. Like the whole, the whole sketch he spent like being like, this is wrong. Oh no, oh no, oh no. And then it was like one little thing. And then he was like, oh, you know, it's not that bad. Yeah. So it was a, I, I think it's actually a really good representation of what's going on right now in society of like with George Floyd getting murdered and us seeing you know, all of our white friends being like, what can we do? How can we help? And it's like, as black yeah. people we're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. We're watching. we're watching. How long? How long is it before you forget about this? How long? How long? You know, there's like a little test there. Like, yeah. oh, you forgot about it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so there's also that component of the sketch that I find really interesting. You know what? You just made me think about a conversation that I saw another comedian post. And it's like, you know, as black people, we think about our safety, our rights every single day. It's always something that we're sharing amongst each other that reminds us daily. But, you know, as, as a, like, if a white person's coming to you and saying, is it okay for me to go back to posting my funny videos or me like dancing in my bikini or like, how do you, like, I had one comedian basically say, this is not the time. This was like two weeks after George Floyd's death or his murder, um, it's not the time to be posting your funny content right now. It's not the time to go back to talking about dating right now. And I was like, what is the, when is the right time to do that? You know, I think we have to constantly find a balance between keeping the conversation going, but does that mean we stop creating or going back to what our brand is because this is happening? Like, what would you say, you know? Um, I would say that, like you said, I, I agree. It's a balance. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I've had friends that have, you know, I've, I've talked to and they're like, I'm so angry. And like, I feel like I'm like trying to fight and get to people every day. And like, I see all their posts, you know, is about what's happening. And I think for me, the concern is I don't want people to burn out. Yeah. You know, black people, there've been, uh, for us, there has been a level of anger, I think that has been simmering inside of us for years, for our life. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like some white people are trying to take that on right away. And it's like, great, but you can't take on all that anger in three months. Cause guess what? You're not used to it. You're going to be exhausted. Yeah. Like pace yourself. Go ahead and post, you know, a couple of days, some pictures of puppies, you know, and you outside enjoying life with your mask or going on a bicycle ride or whatever. But it doesn't mean you can't at the same time still 
act for, you know, for social justice and still be out there doing other things that are necessary and required. Like exactly. just because you're not posting about it doesn't mean you're not reading a book and learning about, you know, history that wasn't taught in schools. Exactly. You know, it doesn't mean that you're not having meaningful conversations. It doesn't mean that you're not donating. It doesn't mean that, you know, being on social media is not the end all and be all of activism. And I right. feel like treat it like that, then it becomes more performative because it's more about showing other people what you're doing instead yes. of actually doing the work. Because maybe your work is learning, educating yourself a little bit more so that when your racist friends or you, your racist relatives talk to you, that you can check them and actually have stats and history and all of that readily available right? so that you don't feel like you're just sitting there listening to all this crazy rhetoric. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I agree with that a hundred percent. Like, you know, I didn't want to post content either for a few days and there were days where I didn't, but then I got messages, not only from white people, from black people being like, I'm laughing and this is getting me through. Yeah. So it was like, wow, I have to keep doing this because if one person is able to just laugh, even if it's laughing at our pain, it is worth it you know yeah, yeah we so. still need that light in the world like mm -hmm. you know now that we've seen you know people have been awakened and seen this darkness this murder that happened and it's okay to to wake up from that but also you know it doesn't mean you can't be happy it doesn't right mean that you can't experience joy like exactly those two can exist together they should exist yes together. Um, speaking of like kind of being frustrated, what do you do when you have writer's block? Oh, don't write. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. What do it's, you do then? It's interesting because um, oh, I definitely go through it a lot and I'm um, gearing myself up now to um, finish a draft of a pilot I wrote. And I would say, what do I do? Um, sometimes I just have to walk away and give it a rest and explore something else creative mm. or write about something completely opposite of what I told myself I was going to write about. Um, and it's interesting that happened to me a couple of years ago when I started writing this pilot that actually came from a sketch we did. Mm -hmm. And I, I like took a class for it and I wrote the the all the beats and the breakdown and I was really excited and then I started writing the pilot and I got about 15 pages in and then life happened I got pregnant got a house had a kid and then I would say about a year after I had her I was like okay I'm gonna go back to that pilot I, I, it's such a good idea I'm gonna write it I'm gonna write it I'm gonna write it and I tried to write it and it just wasn't happening like the <laughs> idea wasn't resonating with me as much as it was before mm. and I was like I, I I kind of beat myself up about it for a long time like I was like why can I'm not a good writer why is it not happening and the moment I was like you know what that one's not happening I just need to scratch it for now and move on to something else and mm -hmm. I decided to like write a a short instead and that kind of led me, it kind of, it, it actually boosted me again. Like I was like, oh, this is, you know, this is like a short, quick idea. And then it actually allowed me to explore different ideas and then move on to something that actually did resonate with me at that time. So for me, the strategy is more of, if you're having writer's block, just stop writing for a while. Like I, I know some people are like, push through it and get it done. Mm -hmm. And I respect that as well, but for me, I just feel like I just write worse because yeah. I like what I'm writing because mm -hmm. it's not, I don't, I'm not feeling it the same way. And I know it can be, and it's a practice, but also for me, there's more love into it. And I need to love, I need to really be in love with the ideas I'm writing. And so if I'm not, if I hit a wall, then I like, I'm like, I just need to take a break until yes. I find that inspiration again. I think a really good way, which oddly enough involves writing, is um, a book that really helped me is um, called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Okay. 
and you have to write morning pages when you do it. But here's the thing, they don't have to, they don't have to make sense. It doesn't have to be a story. You're okay. just literally free writing. And um, that's part of it. But, but also the part of it is that you um, take yourself on artist dates. What so, is that? Yeah. So basically, if there's something you've been wanting to do or something that kind of inspires you, then you, you make a time and a place to take yourself to a date on it, whether yeah. it's, you know, it's harder now going, you know, in quarantine, whether it's going to a museum by your, and all of the dates have to be by yourself. Yes. So whether it's going to a concert, whether it's going to the museum, whether it's, um, try, you know, self-care, taking a yoga class, all of it is really trying to pull out the artist in you. And I feel like that those artist dates are um, a really good way to get back in touch with your creativity and really inspire you. So that book has been really useful for me. I haven't done it in a while. Like the first, I did it for the first time about a year ago mm. and um, it really, really, really helped and brought a lot of clarity into how, um, how I viewed my creativity. And even after it, that was when I, um, I decided, I was like, all right, I'm going to go to a hotel room and I'm going to write a pilot in a weekend. And I did mm. it. But yeah, it's, it's, it's really great. The artist dates are really great. The free writing is really great. I highly, highly recommend that book. The artist dates is really, really good too, because I would actually say the same for comedy. Like if you're stuck on what, you know, go out and do something and that can kind of inspire you to write jokes or whatever the case is. So I think that's really great advice that I had never thought about. You know, I try to go to the park. I call myself going to the park to write and stuff like that. But I end up, I'm on social media and I'm like people watching. But all that stuff helps, you know? Yeah. And I think the people watching, even as a comedian, is helpful because you're just sitting there taking in how people do things. And just kind of being focused in that sense outside of yourself is really helpful as well. Yes. Okay, y'all, well, we're going to take a quick break. (laughs) When we come back, we're going to tackle the very serious subject of sweet potato pie versus pumpkin. And we're also going to talk about some trending topics that are so, so good, actually, right now. (laughs) So let's take a break and we'll be right back. Hey y'all, welcome back to Colored Couch Conversations. I'm your host, Jasmine W., and I'm here with my cousin, actress, writer, Sadia Rashid. And I have a very important question for you, Sadia. This is inspired by me being on TikTok and doing some funny videos. Which is better, pumpkin pie or sweet potato pie? And what's the difference to you? (laughs) No question, it is sweet potato pie. (laughs) Long line of sweet potato pie makers, including and without skipping a beat the answer is sweet potato pie I don't know who out there is eating pumpkin pie white people that's Um, what I said that's what I said yeah I sorry I can't get down with pumpkin pie pumpkin lattes I I'm not a pumpkin person it's not my it's not my lane I'm fine with it not being my lane sweet potato (laughs) pie is my lane and that's what I like period. You know, I lived in San Francisco for five years and there were times where we didn't go home for holidays. We actually rarely went home for holidays because it's so expensive. Like why do that when I can wait until January? And I'm not going to lie. I would grab me, go to Pete's coffee because Pete's coffee has a pumpkin pie. And when I was feeling homesick, (laughs) I would take a piece of that pumpkin pie and come home, sprinkle some cinnamon, put some whipped cream on it. And really try to close my eyes and pretend, and it never measured up. But it did. It did what it was supposed to do. But it never measured up. So, sweet potato pie, a hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. It all. It just. I. I just can't do it. I. I kudos to you even trying. Like I just. <laughs> I smell pumpkin, and I'm like, it ain't. It ain't sweet potato. I'm not. I can't eat it. I can't. And you know, most pumpkin pie is made with squash, right? 
I didn't know that. Yeah. It's not even pumpkin most of the time. It's squash. Ew. It's it's really weird. Um, okay. Well, listen, we're gonna get into some trending topics. I'm excited to talk to you about these. <laughs> Because these were trending this week. And the first one is Terry Crews. Um. Okay, well, he received a lot of backlash over the last two weeks over his comments on black supremacy and hashtag we don't want Black Lives Matter to turn into hashtag Black Lives Better. And I just wanted to ask you, does the fear of black supremacy keep you up at night, Sadia? No, because there is no black supremacy. What is he talking about? I, I, I don't know. He really confuses me and, and disappoints me. I'm sure he disappoints a lot of people now, but yes. Um, I just, I just, I felt like that was just a really odd thing to say. And I feel like he's more concerned about how it, in that statement, there's, there seems to be this idea that he's more concerned about what white people think about the movement mm. than listening to the voices of other black people. Yes. And also he, it also seems like there's this idea of him trying to suppress the idea, like prove we're not angry. And it's like, we're not angry. I mean, we are angry, but we're mm-hmm. not angry in that sense. We're just tired of putting on the act that everything is okay. Yes. And now it's, you know, the, the quote unquote mask is off mm-hmm. and we can now tell our truth and, you know, hold people to that and hold people accountable. And that doesn't mean that we're fighting for black lives to be better than any other life is we're, that's still a fight for equality. It's just right. that we are not going to pretend everything is okay and continue the status quo like we have done right but i i feel like there's just for some reason he doesn't understand that or doesn't want to understand that he made this other comment a couple weeks ago about black hollywood upholding black standards or like blackness and i thought that was really odd too and it felt very it felt for him very personal like maybe someone told him he wasn't black enough or something yes and i was like that's that's you need to go to therapy for that like maybe maybe you need to yes do some investigating about why you feel like you're not black enough you know a hundred percent I feel like I feel like he does need to figure out what's going on inside his brain and within himself because if he doesn't realize first of all black lives better and black supremacy, what are you talking about? Do you understand the world that we live in was constructed, built on white men's point of view? And do you know what it would take for us to be black supreme in the US? And what does that mean if for other countries who that are predominantly black? Does that mean that if you live in Nigeria, you live in Africa, you live in the Caribbean, it's a black supremacy? No, it's just, because black people have, you know, built their governments and built their economies and everything, black people can thrive there. You know, they can. That doesn't mean that we're better and we want equality here because we were brought here. I don't understand. I literally, I'm so confused. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's that whole statement. It's real confusing. And it's like, how much um, history do you know? How do you, it, it, it It's interesting because in that statement, it's kind of like, well, I don't think you quite understand Black Lives Matter. Right. You know, like you say you do. I don't, I don't think you really understand what this is about. And if you don't understand that, then maybe you need to educate yourself a little bit more before you speak out on this. Right. Now, I have another question for you. You know, you're in Hollywood. You've been acting. You've been on sets. Is somebody, um, does somebody have their hand up his ass and controlling his thoughts or something like that? Is this a possibility? I'm like, is this the machine controlling him? I, you know what? I, I don't necessarily think it's the machine controlling him. I think it's him trying to protect himself mm. and other himself. Yes. Because otherwise, why would you put yourself out there like that? 
to speak on the behalf of black supremacy or whatever, you know, it just, you know, and also there are so many other people, black people in Hollywood that, you know, put themselves out there politically Mm -hmm. and um, are very honest with their views and it doesn't impact as far as I know yet, you know, I'm sure there's been some impact behind the scenes, but outwardly it hasn't stopped them from speaking out about it. Yeah. So I feel like for him, it's, it's more personal. It feels like this idea that he wants to be a part of a club that he's not, he doesn't feel like he's a part of. Mm. So he has to make that club seem bad. I actually agree with what you said, but maybe it's also wanting to be a part of that club of, or can, or remain a member of the, oh, Terry, but Terry's cool. Yeah. Terry's cool. He's not like every, no, Terry, Terry knows what's up because he sees both sides right. sort of thing. You know what I mean? Just remain that, that what we sometimes call token black dude in certain circles or something like that to where he's you know, level-headed. He sees both sides. He's not playing one side or the other. He doesn't believe X, Y, and Z. So it's a, it's a way for him to, re- to, to remain other, as you yeah. said. No, totally, totally. Mm. Okay, well, the next trending topic we had was training on Twitter all day yesterday. And even today, it's still like top five. And it's Jada and Will. Jada Pinkett and Will Smith were trending yesterday. Because August Alsina, he has a new album out and he came out, he did an interview with Angela Yee and basically said that Will gave him the okay to be with Jada as they transitioned from a marriage to a life partnership that did not include intimacy. Do you ever see yourself transitioning from a marriage to a life partnership with your husband? Uh, no. But you know, what's interesting is that I don't even know, and I know they, Will and Jada have talked about that a lot but there's still some vagueness around that. So for me, it's kind of, I feel like we're kind of forced to figure out what that means. Cause I don't know really what it means for them. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like it's in between a marriage and in between an open marriage. Like I, I don't feel like they're just saying the marriage is open, Yeah, but perhaps they're saying that you know, if we decide we don't love each other in a romantic sexual sense, but we still value each other as human beings and we see the value in our family unit, unit, then Mm -hmm. we're going to keep that together. Yeah. Um, so I don't really see myself or my husband doing that, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I guess I can't say no completely if that's what they mean by it yeah it's just a oh you know what I think we you know sure have sex with someone else whenever we want like hell to the no yeah that's I'm too jealous for that he's saying that that would never happen in a million years like if Mm -hmm. you want to you know have that relationship well then we're we're done yeah um but yeah I I I, it's like my eyes widened when I heard that wrong. Like, <laughs> also, it was like, man, you out there really telling their business. <laughs> and you know what? I was on Instagram live yesterday and, you know, some people had some opinions and a lot of people said it was wrong for him to speak up. Like it was wrong. What Do they not have like an NDA? Do they not have a confidentiality? Like, why is he saying this? Um, and I said, as a, I'm a sensitive person, as a sensitive person, which it seems to me like August Alsina is probably a sensitive person. Um, he probably is, is hurt. He probably had a lot of growth because of how hurt he was from the situation. Cause it sounded like, I mean, they were, they were hanging out for years. It wasn't just a fling kind of thing. They hung out for at least four or five years. So it sounded like he was really invested and he was hurt and it was his experience as well. So he said something about it because he was asked. And while I do not, if it was me, I wouldn't have said anything, but I can't blame the man for speaking whatever he wants to speak on because that's his experience. That's true. That is his experience and he can speak on that. It's just so 
odd because I mean, he's a lot younger than her. He's closer yeah. to the age of her kids. Yes. And I think when I heard it first, the, my first instinct was like, if this is true, do her kids know? Did he consider that her kids would hear this? How would it impact them? I mean, I know they're semi, you know, pretty much adults at this point, but still, I think that was my yeah. first consideration. Like if their kids were older and he said this, then it's like, great, that has, like, that's, you, everybody's consenting adults, whatever. But I just felt like, although it is his truth, it just felt um, a little harsh to put that out there, knowing the age of her. But her kids are grown, Sadia. They're grown. They're 21, 22, 20. I still see that as babies. Like, I don't know. I just still see that. Okay, they are of drinking age, but I just still see them as, you know, babies. That's because we grew up with them. But I could see see me feeling differently if, if the kids were in school. You know, when you're in elementary, middle school, high school, you, I, kids go through a lot enough, enough already. Right. But to know that your mom, your parents have an open marriage and stuff, it's just too much. But they're they're out of school, girl. They're grown. And I, I did some Googling yesterday because I'm nosy. And I saw <laughs> August, on the, out, girl? August was on the beach with Jada Pinkett and Willow was there. They're all taking pics. How did she, come on. How did she not know? That's a good point. Willow is a very intelligent young woman. She know what's up. <laughs> uh, it just, I just, you know, it just, I, it's like I'm, intri- I'm deeply intrigued by the whole situation, but also a, a part of me cringes at the same time. But it's like, oh. Yeah, uh, I know. So weird. <laughs> but I, I do hope they talk about it on Red Table Talks. I really, I really, really hope that it, that, that, you know, that they are forced to talk about it. Cause it's like, it just brings up so many rumors about them. Yeah. And you know, I want them to talk about it too, not just because it's juicy, <laughs> but because I, I do think that, um, you know, I personally couldn't do the open marriage thing, but I do know people who are more open to that. It just gets the conversation going about moving away from traditional Mm-hmm. relationships and I think it's a conversation people need to have because it's too many people out here cheating and doing what else when that might be an option for them you know what I mean so yeah okay well y'all let's take a quick break and we come back we're gonna step into the keep it real corner with some advice on how to win a man back it might be a trick question maybe <laughs> Welcome back to Colored Couch Conversations. We are now in the Keep It Real corner, and I have a, a question from Instagram for you, Sadia. And just, you know, give some real advice. How do you win a man back? That was a question somebody wanted advice on. Answer, you don't. Thank you! If, <laughs> if he wants to be gone, then you should probably let him go, because there's probably a reason you haven't figured out yet as to why he's not worth it in the first place because honestly i think i'm old school in that sense of i feel like i should be chased i don't feel like i should be chasing down a man and trying to fight for his love the times in the past now i i will admit i have done that a few times as my younger self same yeah and it never worked out It never worked out. And honestly, every time after the fact, I would think, oh yeah, that guy was trash. Like, why did I even, why didn't I even try? Like, it's not even worth my time. So really the answer is don't move on. That's exactly what I said. You know, how, how do you, and this is a real question. How do you win a man back? I'm like, honey, if he's gone, you've already won. Like, how do you win somebody back? And to, to not be completely biased here, if you lost somebody, then you might be trash. So good for them 
for leaving you. You don't, you're not going to, no, just move on, figure out what the lesson was, pack your stuff and move on. Yeah. Learn that lesson with somebody else. Fix yourself, work on yourself. Work on yourself. Yep. Ooh, that's such good advice. All right. Well, listen, if y'all now, y'all probably not going to listen, but um, (laughs) that was good advice. Uh, Well, Sadia, tell us what you have coming up. What are you working on right now? How can we keep up with you? Everything. Well, right now I'm just working on, um, I've just finished season one of the podcast. It was a small season. And so now I'm interviewing people for season two. That's what I'm doing and just getting back to writing, I am in the next couple of weeks going to start, I'm even scared to say it out loud. I've been milling around this idea of doing a solo show. You know this because we went to see a solo show together. Yes. Um, so I've been milling around that idea and it's become a little bit more firm in my head of what I want to accomplish. So that will be one of my goals for the rest of the year to start writing that. So really writing the podcast. I did a fun uh, sizzle reel uh, actually earlier this week with some friends. It was very safe. Everybody was very safe. Just if anybody's anybody's worried about me, I'm okay. Yeah. Um, Some friends of mine, they're presenting to a couple of networks, this great idea of a children's show for learning in quarantine because there are a lot of kids, mainly kids of color who are out of school that are um, kindergartners and first graders and some preschoolers and they're falling behind because Mm. they're not getting the support they need, whether it's that um, they're not getting the time or they don't have Wi-Fi or what have you. So uh, yeah, we shot this really cute idea called Galaxy School and it's just about trying to teach kids and um, hopefully something happens with that. It was really fun. I was a teacher with a puppet. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, that was a project I've been working on and um, just my own things. And as far as keeping up with me, I'm on Instagram. You can find me at Sadia Rashid. Uh, you can subscribe to my podcast, like Jasmine said. Mm-hmm. Um, you can friend me on Facebook, send me a message first so you found me here because I don't friend everybody. No randoms. <laughs> <laughs> or you can just follow on my, I have a website, SaudiaRashid.com. You can go there and find out more about me. Twitter, at SaudiaRashid also. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> awesome. Now, does your website connect us to all the things? Yes. The website connects to all the things. So if you go to the website, you can find my um, podcast, you can find my Instagram, um, all that stuff for sure. Perfect. And if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see the website or Instagram handle podcast throughout the show. Uh, But if you're not, make sure that you head to SaudiaRashid.com. Spell it for us, Saudia. S-A-U-D-I-A, last name R-A-S-H-E-D. Perfect. Listen, y'all, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Colored Couch Conversations on the platform you're listening on right now. And if you love the show, make sure to tell somebody, do not be selfish, okay? (laughs) You can follow us on Instagram at Colored Couch Conversations and watch the show on my YouTube channel. That's Comedian Jasmine W on YouTube, spelled J-A-Z-M-Y-N. Thanks to my dad. Um, Thank y'all so much for listening. See you next week.